Hi, you're listening to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively brings insights from the Indian space activities ecosystem. I'm your host Narayan, the co-founder of India's first space-focused think tank, Spaceport Sarabhai. Guests on the New Space India podcast help you understand space activities related macro and micro trends within India in all aspects including space history, local industry, space science, technology evolution, law and policy, art and more. The New Space India podcast is supported by Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing businesses and people with collaborative virtual environments to enable sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups, small and medium scale enterprises and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellites. My name is uh, Mukund Rao. I'm a geologist by profession. I did my bachelor's and master's in geology in 1980 and later on I did my PhD in remote sensing in GIS. uh my journey my professional journey started with space activities uh, in 1981 i joined isro or the space application center uh, in ahmedabad over the last 40 and odd years 41 years to be precise uh, i have gathered many uh, milestones and many experiences which i want to just share and uh, bring about my own learning that i have done and uh, Uh, try to give a road map of what things the what way the things have developed in in specific areas of space where i worked and also remember some of the wonderful people with whom i worked along this journey so i think my f- earliest memory of anything related to space when i joined isro is professor dhavan uh, you know i i joined uh, sac isro in 1981 and in 1983 the first nnrms seminar the national natural resources management system seminar was held in hyderabad and that was the first time i think where the the idea of a national system for using remote sensing and creating a management system to help governance in the country was sort of visualized and out, outlined by professor dhavan i was a rookie at the time just out of university and uh, with uh, wide eyes i still recall watching professor dhavan on the stage in the conference in the inaugural a very dapper person very smart looking uh, with his high pants uh, with a nice belt around it and he gave an outline of nnrms even today it is relevant and sometimes i make my own assessment of how much of that vision have we really achieved the fundamental point of the vision that he outlined was that if remote sensing has to be really meaningful it has to be a part of the management system at the national level and he outlined a vision saying that to work on this national system of management support that remote sensing can provide it is the user agencies that have to drive it while the technologists from isro can provide the technology support he outlined in 1983 a user oriented concept where users uh, use remote sensing and get the benefit and help governance in the country i still recall him in his 30 minute speech that he gave on that day uh, you know he had a very typical style of pumping the ground when he spoke with passion and and, he, and sometimes throwing his arms 
and that is etched in my memory. And today also I believe that if remote sensing has to be meaningful, it has to be by the user agencies. Except that the user agencies today are much different than what the user agencies were outlined in 1983. So to me, that was the mantra. A user-oriented remote sensing application support program which helps the nation, which helps the country or in the governance and in the management. So this is, this is one of the earliest sort of etched memory in my mind. And that's how I then started my space activities of uh, uh, following the seminar or during that time. Uh, very soon, uh, I was exposed to one of the best computers that ISRO had brought, the VAX 11780 at the time in Space Application Center with uh, image analysis system, which uh, if you look at it today, it looks very rudimentary, but I can tell you I was damn thrilled to work on those systems at that time. Uh, being a geologist, never having worked on a computer, uh, this was something like a techno exposure to me, thrown into the techno world of VAX 11780 tapes, disks, and so on. I'm, I and my colleague, one Mr. P.S. Thakkar and Mr. A.R. Dasgupta, who was my boss at the time and a mentor who I, I really value even today, uh, we quickly took up a study to study the city of Ahmedabad using Landsat images and digital image processing to find out what has been the growth over time and what are the changes. I think this was the first of the digital image analysis for work for an urban area in 1982, uh, which showed the change from 1975 Ahmedabad to 1982 Ahmedabad. So we published a paper and that really opened up a lot of ideation about digital analysis, supervised classification, its accuracy, its inaccuracies, the speckle signature analysis, how change detection can be done. So, so we collected all those experiences and we wrote a beautiful paper which we presented in the ISPRS uh, uh, conference that was held in Delhi. And that was one of the earliest digital exposure that I got to doing digital analysis and digital uh, uh, applications. Very soon, uh, Mr. Dasgupta introduced us to the concept of GIS. Uh, it was in 1981, I think, uh, where NCST, the National Center for Software Technology in Mumbai, uh, got the first conference on GIS by getting a, some uh, one lady professor, Duan Marble, from Ohio State University. And we had the exposure to that first uh, GIS workshop. And then we understood this GIS, saying that, okay, now you have images which are digital. You can also make maps which are digital. Till the time, maps were never seen in a digital format at all. So we started looking at information systems of uh, combining remote sensing and maps. And, and we did the first experiment called a mineral exploration information system using satellite images and maps by digitizing them manually uh, involving the government of Gujarat. And this was a very small experiment, very manually done by gridding, you know, grid-based uh, GIS at the time. And uh, we did an analysis to identify how minerals can be characterized by merging different types of information. Very simple study, but gave a thrill to us saying that now we can combine maps, images, and do some integrated analysis, factorial analysis we did. We did some principal component analysis on the various data sets and so on. So very soon we realized that the power of information system is what is going to be the future. And, and this was way back in 82, 83 time frame. And then uh, Mr. Dasgupta took up these ideas with the, with the chairman, Mr. Professor uh, Dhawan, and Y.S. Rajan, who was the scientific secretary at the time. And we established a special task force for a natural resources information system. And I was a member of the task force and, and 
a key contributor to defining that vision of a national natural resources information system which will support the NNRMS. So the management system must have an information system backing it. So, so that was how it was visualized at the time. So, so this brought us to a, a concept saying that, okay, if this is the thing, where are some case studies to do these applications? Uh, very soon, uh, we got a commercial software from, from uh, outside about GIS and image processing. And we did some very classic studies for various districts in India. I still recall the, one of the districts uh, we did was in Bharatpur. We did a district plan. Actually, at the time, the district planning in 1985 was becoming very popular with the Panchayati Raj uh, amendments that uh, Rajiv Gandhi's regime was bringing about. So we did a district plan at that time and a very comprehensive GIS study. Even today, the reports are available and it, it was very systematically done and very comprehensive. And the district collector of Bharatpur was very taken in and he said that he would like to sort of utilize this for his uh, governance activities. And uh, we were very happy to have Professor Yor Rao, who was the chairman at the time, come down to Bharatpur in a conference in Bharatpur district. Uh, he personally handed over the whole system of Bharatpur database and the computers and everything to the district collector. So that's how we started this concept of doing GIS applications. We then followed it up for Bombay metropolitan region, uh, Dungarpur, we did for wasteland development planning and, and a variety of uh, GIS applications. By the time uh, it was seven to eight years into uh, uh, my profession and we had a team of people and I think we got all the exposure that was required and, and, and the motivation to take up many of these activities. One of the things we learned at the time was that unless we standardize the data, you know, the GIS applications are really not going to grow. You can't have unformatted, unstandard, non-matching data sets. So, so we brought out the first GIS standard in 1987-88 time frame. It's still available and I, I think that formed the bedrock of most of our knowledge that we got about GIS applications, remote sensing applications, how to standardize them and how to create large databases which can help in applications in the whole thing. So even while these applications were being done and many districts were taken up within ISRO and outside of ISRO by, by late 80s, uh, the concept came up as to where, are the, where is the GIS software available? If you have to do this in the whole country, do we, in, does India have a GIS software? Again, Mr. E.R. Das Gupta and uh, K.L. Majumdar, who was with him at the time, and I was associated in a very a key manner, uh, we took up the design and development of ISRO GIS software. Very early times, I must tell you that uh, we didn't have operating systems at the time. Uh, DOS had just come in. Uh, then Xenix was there. There was no graphical user interface. Uh, X-Windows, which was the earliest of the windows, had just come in. But then under a technology transfer regime, we, we contracted two parties to develop this software. And uh, those two parties were wonderful software companies, and one in Bangalore, one in Hyderabad. I still remember those two gentlemen, one Katie Sridhar and uh, K. Shankar. They're still very active in the software field. Brilliant minds. And, and they came out with such algorithms and such unique solutions to solve the problem that we developed the ISRO-JS software by 89-90 and it was available. Uh, it still had a lot of journey to make before it became operational and product-oriented and so on. But but in those times when the world had just started GIS software in one or two places in United States, in ESRI, 
in Canada. India also brought up its ISRO-JS software. Of course, within ISRO, there were many ventures of JS software development. There was one by RRSSC, there was one what we did, and there were some other trials and so on. But then these all allowed ideas to fructify and, and come up into different formats and the whole thing. And then uh, the two industries, Pegasus Software under Sridhar and uh, ERA Software under Shankar, they took on this technology and then they marketed the product in the whole thing. But um, I think uh, somewhere down the line, the support that is required from the Indian market and Indian users uh, was not forthcoming. Uh, the aura of foreign software, COT software was very easy to, 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 to dampen the spirit of the, these two industries to take up the marketing part of it. And, and then uh, over time, I think it, it, it uh, sub, uh, subsumed into the larger framework of uh, commercially available software solutions. The learning of algorithms and um, the solutions and the graphical user interface for the first time in the 80s in the ISRO-GIS was fantastic. So, so to me also it was great to do the design and development part of it and do the testing and learn many of these things which uh, as once again I said for a geologist it was something like a, a totally new experience to look at, uh, at this point of time. So I think these all allowed us to learn something about GIS very deep. The knowledge base we created was very, very deep. We had a team of about 20, 25 people who were excellent in doing many of these activities. And I think that was the biggest outcome of all the GIS activities that were taken up. Very soon, I think uh, I moved to headquarters, uh, the ISRO headquarters from Ahmedabad sometime in 1994. And one activity I very clearly remember, which I took up at that time amongst many others, is the establishment of the UN Center for Spatial, uh, uh, Space Technology and in the Asia-Pacific region. Uh, it was uh, a competitive uh, award. Uh, China was there, Indonesia, Malaysia, India were there. And we had to really struggle to make all the proposals and get the center to India. And, and it was a great experience. Uh, so of course, under the leadership of Dr. Kasturi Rangan at the time, M.G. Chandrasekhar was there, who was spearheading many of these activities, and K.R. Sridhar Murthy, with whom uh, I have a very long association, association that we worked on this. On the United Nations side, we worked very closely with uh, Nandi Jasantuliana, who was the director of a UN office for outer space affairs, Adagun Abiyadin, who was also in the office, and ultimately we established this center in, in, in India. Uh, we established all the structures and the organizational frame that is required and the operational education programs for that particular activity. And I was one of the key persons associated. So suddenly I moved away from many of the information system activities to organizational structuring, policy making, and other things when I came into headquarters in that sense. And, 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 and soon, another activity which I very vividly recall in, in uh, the mid-90s to uh, 2000 time frame, uh, was uh, with the launch of IRS uh, satellites and specifically IRS-1C in 1995, uh, I think India's presence in the international regime had to be increased. And, you know, we were not very active in the international regime of CIOs, IAF, ISPRS, and many other fora. So, so India bid for a hosting the CIOs plenary, and we got the CIOs plenary in India in 1998. And uh, under the leadership of uh, Dr. Kasurangan, I was given the secretarial charge to take up the establishment of the CIOs secretariat here and uh, organize the plenary. That was another exposure that I got that for the first time, apart from doing information systems and understanding the Indian ethos of different cultures, I was exposed to the international regime. Working with 48 space agencies, specifically with the NASA, ESA, JAXA, 
team and, and moving around in international circles to do various types of CIOS activities, uh, we founded the first principles of an international global observation strategy, IGOS, which is the precursor to the GEO, which is now uh, prevalent in the country today. So the concept of IGOS and the concept of a global observing strategy where space agencies come together and collaborate to develop a global strategy was founded when India was the leader of CIOS under Dr. Kasurang and we established the multilateral instruments that are required and the agreements required for that. And that really exposed us to a lot of international activities in this sense. And parallelly, when we looked at this, we saw that many countries had remote sensing policy, uh, earth observation policy, and so on. India did not have a remote sensing policy. So, and at the same time, IRS-1C with the highest resolution was being questioned within the Indian defense frame, whether it can be distributed to users, and you know, or should it be in the restricted domain. So we took up the job of creating a remote sensing data policy, uh, the first remote sensing data policy of 1999. And I took the lead for developing the policy framework, getting the cabinet approval, and so on. And we brought uh, resolutions up to 5 meters uh, in the public domain uh, for distribution and 1 meter under some restricted committee clearances activities. So the concept of policy and international collaborations and international presence for India was a big way, uh, one of the experiences that we got by mid-2000 mid, uh, 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 or early 2000 time frame. Uh, Another thing I must tell you is that uh, in those days, with all these experiences that we had, uh, India was one of the leaders in Earth observation. You know, it matched the world's best civilian satellite in 1995, 98, 2000 time frame with IRS-1C, uh, Cartosat-1 and so on. So, so we had structured a program which, which gave us uh, uh, the world's best tag in Earth observation at that time, in 2000 time frame. And uh, we were very happy to sort of uh, see that uh, IRS-1C data was globally being received, Cartosat data was being globally received, uh, 16 ground stations were receiving it under Antrix, and almost uh, 60 to 80 crores of revenue every year was being collected. So it gave us a thrill that we could go global, you know. So, so from an international presence, to be able to globally merchandise our products, globally be making our products available and services available, I think that regime started by, 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 the, by the late 90s and the 2000 time frame. And that was very, uh, you know, rich experience that we got. One of the personal experience that I have is having traveled to Svalbard because of all these things in 1995-96 time frame. That was really an enriching experience to see the glaciers and go right up to the North Pole, just one degree short of the North Pole, on helicopter flights and seeing the Svalbard station. That was a great experience, I think, for personally for me, uh, coming uh, into many of these activities in that, uh, this one. Uh, another one incident I want to share with uh, my own knowledge is, in 1999, after the 1998 uh, nuclear explosion, there was a World uh, National Technology Summit organized by the Government of India. And uh, various uh, science departments were called in to look at how technology needs to be looked at in, 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 the, in the future uh, years and what national technology systems need to be developed. And uh, Dr. Kasurangan was called in to make a very high-level presentation. Uh, I was one of the key persons to working, helping to him to make the presentation. Uh, he, we were all sitting in Taj, uh, in Palace uh, Hotel in Delhi, uh, just one day before the uh, conference and the presentations were being organized, various slides and so on. And Dr. Kasurangan was very meticulous, you know, every slide had to be very good, very new, very fresh no repetition of materials and so on. So a team of two, three of us were there. I was very actively involved in that. Suddenly he asked us, 
uh, what is the new thing we are going to tell tell the the community and the minister will be there the uh, cabinet will be there and so on he suddenly looked at us and said can we go to the moon this was may 1999 may 13 1999 he asked us the question can we go to the moon so, and all of us ran back to do the calculations the launch vehicle team the satellite team and all and we came out with one slide saying can we go to the moon that was 1999 and when he presented it on that day to an audience of about 300 400 people ministers cabinet secretaries and so on there was stunned silence can india go to the moon 1999 time frame and and it was really a very uh, sort of a very exhilarating experience to watch the audience on that day stunned and at the end of the presentation which covered many things and only one slide on can we go to the moon very nicely articulated by dr kasrangan he got a thundering ovation and that triggered the concept of the chandrayaan mission at that time then the chandrayaan proposals were generated etc blah blah and 2008 this mission came up but i just wanted to tell how this came up and what were the methods of doing this whole thing uh, very soon i got into another very major activity of defining a long term strategy for earth observation <coughs> called the earth observation 2025 strategy uh, this was under the leadership of dr george joseph another excellent brilliant scientist of isro uh, rather the father of indian remote sensing program in that sense and dr kasuru rangan and a few of us uh, he set up a committee under dr george joseph i was a member secretary and and we drafted out one of the best strategy reports that we could do at that time and the strategy was simple uh, create missions which will help national development which was the nnrms goal number 1 number 2 privatize earth observation in india this was in 2001 time frame it still is the goal written down very clearly saying that please privatize earth observation we gave a strategy of steps to be taken up and and done and the whole thing In fact we created a manifest of 54 launches to be done in 25 years different types of satellites uh, resource sat multispectral cartosat ocean sat and so on the manifest is there and if i look at it today uh, sometimes i wonder how much of that manifest have we really covered so so one can do an analysis maybe a research on that aspect also but what i want to highlight is that at that time we we were matching the world status in state of the art in remote sensing planning strategy international collaboration being one amongst them and and uh, we could uh, create our own strategy our own policies our own drive for applications and and thrust what is required and we soon realized that privatization of authorization is very much required way back in uh, 2001 2 time frame to visualize this was great in that sense and and many of the strategies are still now coming up for four in that particular activity and and in the importance of doing standardization that was also very strongly felt and we we brought out the nnrms standard which once again icpr added uh, which is the bedrock of now gis standards in the country today uh, in fact the nnrms standard was uh, drawing much of this uh, material from the 1989 standard that we had developed in the earliest part of the gis work and today it is one of the uh, standard which even everybody uses and and uh, there are uh, still a newer version is yet to come in into that activity of the thing of this one so many of these forward looking activities uh, uh, way back in the 90s 2000s is what we were capable of doing and i feel very proud to be associated and 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 uh, working in many of those applications in the whole thing somewhere in 2005 uh, i shifted my gear uh, went into the private sector after working 25 years in isro and in private sector i was very keen to develop business solutions and commercial solutions in remote sensing in gis 
I, I joined a startup, created a startup with uh, one of the Hyderabad groups and later on headed ESRI and, and did varieties of GIS applications in the commercial business. You know, One of the largest projects in GIS, the Delhi State Spatial Data Infrastructure Project in 2005-06 time frame, costing 120 crores, was scripted. Uh, won and achieved by me in the private sector company in the sense and it was one of the best projects which was visualized at that point of time. Uh, we also took up many projects across the world in UAE, in Japan, in India on various types of GIS and remote sensing solutions and also in Singapore. For example, the Singapore IMAP which is uh, today one of the best GIS portals, the technology and the solutions have been developed by the team that I led in ESRI at that point of time. The APDRP, the Augmented Power Restructuring Program of the Government of India, which has the backing of GIS applications in a commercial domain, was also developed in that particular activity when I was in the private sector in the whole thing. So just to say that uh, while there were questions being raised whether GIS is really profitable, can it be commercial and so on, I think we developed a lot of solutions by which we could make it commercial and, and, and show that it is possible. Uh, I, just uh, for the preparation of this talk, I was trying to see what would be my score of uh, revenue that I would have clogged uh, in the different projects that I, I measured up to and I, I came up to something like 200-300 crores uh, over a period of 2005 to 2012 time frame, which is 7 to 8 years, which was phenomenal at those times, you know, to be able to do that sort of a business and different types of solutions into those activities in the sense. Very soon as I was getting into this private sector in a big way and so on, I was called back by the planning commission to define the national GIS. So, so under Dr. Shailesh Naik's chairmanship, the planning commission set up a national task force. I was a member secretary and I drew the concept of a national GIS. Again, coming back from my experience of understanding Professor Dhawan's NNRMS, the national resources information system, the standardization of data, the applications to be done, pulling all of that and, and saying that if the country has to really benefit from this technology, it must have a national GIS by which content should be easily available for the whole country. Somebody must worry about the content uh, and so on. And applications should be made available in the private sector so that citizen services, uh, government services and private sector services can come up from GIS and we come out with a beautiful GIS policy and submitted it to the government. I had to spend almost three to four years uh, doing various types of activities under that particular activity. Uh, I also want to mention that uh, subsequent to my ISRO tenure and also working in the industry, uh, myself and some colleagues under the umbrella of National Institute of Advanced Studies did a lot of Suomoto studies trying to visualize our far-sighted thinking capability that we developed in ISRO at that time in um, late 90s. In 2012, mid-2010s, trying to visualize what should it be for the future. So we did some very uh, good studies on what should be India's space policy. And we have come out with uh, reports on that. We even visualized an, a space ecosystem in 2014 timeframe and we published the report, which today is being talked of in 2022 timeframe saying there has to be a, a, a federal system of ISRO, there has to be a private sector system, and there has to be an academia system. It's still in the works. But uh, we could sort of understand that these are things that are required and if it is not done, the nation is going to be left behind as far as the advantages of space that is there. And uh, we also did, in 2015, we, we, we articulated the national imperative of doing a human space flight program. It had not yet been approved at that time and we published a paper, we submitted it to government and to many others and are saying, what are the technical imperatives, what are the uh, economic imperatives and social imperatives of an Indian human space flight program? Even today, it is very meaningful to see that 
A human space flight program is not a one-off event. It has to be a series. It has to be a continuum. You have to have a vision for the next 50 years if you want to really take up a human space program. And that's what we identified in that. We also did a very good study on the challenges to the Indian remote sensing system in 2018-19 time frame. You know, with the with the lesser number of IRS satellites, with, with the, the private sector in the world going to sub-meter resolutions, with uh, analysis-ready data available in the world, with open portals of Sentinel, Landsat and all, there are tremendous challenges that we see for the Indian remote sensing uh, ecosystem in the whole thing. And we have brought out some of those challenges. So our ability to assimilate the experiences of ISRO and try to formulate what the nation should think about. We, we were able to do these studies and collaborate with uh, some other researchers and bring out the reports into those activities in a sense. And uh, subsequent to this, uh, one of the last activities which I really recall very fondly is just recently in the last four years, I was uh, tasked by Tata Trust to take up an initiative of taking the benefits of remote sensing GIS technology to the final farmer. And then we, we conceptualized the concept of an agri-GIS, uh, drawing upon all the experience that we have, saying that removing everything else from the technology, is there something that we can bring to the farmer and benefit him? And we did a project in uh, South Odisha of Atata Trust and showed how uh, the technology of remote sensing, the technology of GIS, uh, uh, data analytics can all help ultimately at a plot level to give plot level advisory to the farmer. So, so bringing all these capabilities, I think uh, we are very confident that, uh, at least I am very confident that if remote sensing, space technology and earth observations are to be really meaningful, uh, one, uh, it has to be in, uh, driven by the private sector now. And uh, hopefully some of the things that are happening in the country should drive it in that direction. And ultimately it has to benefit the final beneficiary, which is the citizen. If citizens can benefit from remote sensing and GIS and data analytics, nothing like that on the whole thing. So I think these are some of the experience that we have gained and I've gained in the last 40 plus uh, years of my journey. Of course, there are various types of works and people that I have met and uh, journeys done to various countries and uh, different activities. Uh, I have led uh, many activities in the international fora. Uh, I was uh, the first elected uh, president of the Global Spatial Data Infrastructure Association in uh, 2003 to 2006 timeframe. Uh, I have led the IAF activities as its vice president and uh, the Earth Observation Committee. So the exposure that I got in my journey, I think, is, is tremendous. And, and I think that is what makes uh, ISRO organization so different that it allows you to do uh, what you want, of course, within the dimensions of an organization. And um, if you're good at it, I think it gives you the tremendous motivation that's required. That's the learning that I have had, at least till I was in ISRO. Uh, and I'm sure it must be keeping up the same momentum even now today and the whole thing. But, uh, and having worked with some of the best people, knowing their minds, understanding how Professor Dhawan thinks, how Professor Rao thinks, how Dr. Kasurangan thinks, uh, how some of the international space agencies uh, think, uh, Dan Goldin of NASA, the interactions we have had, uh, uh, Sean O'Keefe, uh, ESA chief, uh, um, Kenneth chief, uh, so many people of them on the whole thing. I think your exposure to understanding human relations, human activities, human relations, technology interfaces, interactions tremendously give you the personality and the boost that is required. And I think that is what I have gained in, in all these uh, years in that sense. And some of the best people I have worked, some best bosses I've had. 
starting with A.R. Das Gupta, who was one of the best people who, who gave me the understanding of systems. What is a system? I didn't know when I came as a geologist, but he gave me the understanding of systems and systems analysis. Dr. George Joseph, a physicist to the core, everything has to be questioned, everything has to be questioned until the answer found. Working with him is a great pleasure. Even today, I love interacting with him in that sense of uh, this one. Uh, M.G. Chandrasekhar, a fantastic boss, a go-getter who could get anything done, you know, and work hard and the whole thing. Sridhar Murthy, a very calm mind, strategist. I learned a lot from him in working in the whole activities. Dr. Kasuri Rangan, I think uh, my boss, he's my PhD guide, my mentor in that sense of this one, a fantastic person. And learning from him, uh, just being close with him and working with him and walking behind him is a great experience in that sense. And of course, working with many others, yeah, this one, you know, like Montek Singh Aluwalia in Planning Commission, Sam Pitroda, in, in the National Knowledge Commission, and many others, and so on. And uh, I, I also benefited from a lovely team, you know. I always believe that uh, get any Indian, give him the motivation, he will produce fantastic. And this is my experience when I did uh, projects in uh, Bharatpur, Dungarpur, Bombay, uh, afterwards ISRO GIS, anything. Uh, uh, Indians can do anything, but what they need is the right motivation, right culture. If that culture, motivation and vision you can give them, I think uh, they, can, they can do wonders. And, and that's exactly what I got from my bosses, the vision, the culture and so on. So I think these are some beautiful things of my life and uh, apart from many of the personal things that I have, but I think this shows the journey that the nation also did from early stages of handling digital data coming up to going to the farmer and talking in different ways, different paths in the sense, and I walked one path. So this is my journey. Uh, it's lovely to share with you, all of you, and uh, uh, I really look forward to understanding the uh, journeys of the other people that you're recording and the other path that they have taken, because from that also we can learn a lot. So thank you, Narayan Prasad. Thanks. Thank you for listening in to this episode of the New Space India podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share this episode with anyone you believe will enjoy listening to it. You'll be able to find the New Space India podcast in any of the podcasting platforms that you may be using, including Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and others. Do subscribe to the podcast in case you want to receive new episodes automatically. I'm grateful if you're able to leave a rating for the podcast which will help others discover it. Thank you for listening in again and the next episode will be out in the next two weeks as usual.